how many movies have been set in New York, but they're not all the same. And I think it's important for us to really understand that there's so much creativity in music and having a template for what chords might sound good is that's not hindering your creativity. That could actually enhance your creativity. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, I'm excited to be here today with Ryan Miyakawa. Ryan is the co-founder of Hook Theory, which is an online platform that teaches music theory for songwriting and music production. He himself is a lifelong pianist, composer, educator, and overall music theory geek. And he created Hook Theory in 2012 to make elements of music theory more fun and accessible to the average musician. In the past 10 years since, Hook Theory has grown into a community of over 250,000 songwriters, producers, music enthusiasts who come to the platform to learn how to improve their songwriting, how to practice their ear training, and really how to digest a massive amount of data that's compiled from chord progressions and melody data and analysis of over 30,000 hit songs. And so today I'm super excited to talk with Ryan about the modern day music theory implementation based on the fact that there's so many amazing tools and opportunities that are happening right now for independent musicians with the internet and with software and with AI. And so the landscape's changing so quickly in terms of how you can you know, leverage these tools to be able to level up as a creator. And yeah, it's something I'm super excited to kick out about. So uh, Ryan, I know that was a long intro, but thanks so much for taking the time to be here today. Thanks so much for having me, Michael. Yeah, you got it. All right, so to start out, I'd love to hear a little bit about your story and how you got started and discovered Hook Theory and how you made it to where you are today. Cool, yeah. So yeah, as you mentioned, I'm a pianist. I started piano pretty early, and I think I started in the way that a lot of people start piano. So I was doing these Yamaha group classes. And I had a teacher that would teach me the standard Mozart, Beethoven, and I liked it. I would consider myself an average pianist. I was never one of those prodigies. But what really sparked the fire in me as a musician was just listening to the radio and hearing songs that just moved me. It was like they're they would do something. I'd be like, man, that makes me feel so good. What is this magic? And I listened to a, a lot of these kind of early 90s R&B artists like Mariah Carey, who would have these hit songs. And I just loved it. And I would like, I'd put the, I'd put the CD on and I'd go to my piano and I'd try to plunk out. What are these chords that she's doing? What is she singing? And can I create music like that? So yeah, you know, fast forward to college and I've put aside my piano career, but it, in the process, I had learned quite a bit of music theory. And that's just, if you play piano classically, that's just something that a lot of teachers do. And I could look at like Beethoven piece and tell you, oh, this is this chord and that chord. But I didn't honestly, didn't really know why that was important other than it was just part of the curriculum and I could take a test and answer the questions and things like that. But something clicked for me in college where I was like, wait a minute, this chord that Beethoven did, that's that's what Green Day is doing. That's it's not like these are two different spheres of music. This is one music. And I think that's when I started really geeking out to I would listen to a song and, and I'd be like, I'm, not, I'm 19 or 20 now. And I hear a song that really moves me. And I was like, you know what? I know what's going on now. It's this. And I think that's where this all started. I didn't go to school for music. I went to school for engineering. I was like a, a math and science guy. And I ended up going to grad school and 
one of my really good buddies in the program, he's a guitarist. And, you know, I think that his experience as a guitarist was similar to many, maybe some of your listeners, which is that he never had a teacher. He just picked up the guitar in college because he wanted to strum along with his friends, sang, and he got to be pretty, pretty decent. But he's strumming chords one day and he's like, man, like, I wish I could, I wish I could know what chord came next. And I would say, oh, why don't you try a B minor? And he would play it and be like, man, that's exactly what I was looking for. How did you know that? And I'm like, it's actually not that complicated. I know it, it seems like it's complicated, but it's not. It's just, I just took some music theory and he's like, music theory. I tried to learn that online, but it was just like talking to me about Bach and I just, I turned it off. And I was like, yeah, you just got to get past that. And then you can learn some of, it's really not that complicated. And so he and I talked about it for a few years and we should try to distill the elements of music theory that are interesting to people like me, a guitarist, and see if we can teach that. What we ended up doing it at, we went to school at UC Berkeley and they have this program where students can teach a course. They can just on anything, on Scrabble, The Simpsons, Fortnite, and you just sign up, you get a sponsor and you do it. So we're like, let's teach a course. And we'd never taught a course like this before, but we just thought we, we should do it on practical song, practical music theory for songwriting. And so mm. we get this course together. It's 40 freshmen and sophomores in, in college. Most of them just amateur guitarists. And we just made a curriculum where we just taught just not all of music theory, but just the parts that give you these little clues into how to make a chord progression. How do you make a melody that sounds good over your chord progression? And then for the final project, we all just had a concert and it was great. We had such a good time and got a really good reception. And this story is going a little long. I'm going to get to the hook theory part here. But, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. yeah. No, and what I love about what I love about the discovery of what you're talking about right now is about this idea of what you're describing as I think there's so many of us as musicians, probably a lot of people are listening to this right now who they've might be dabbled in music theory and they've mm -hmm. they've thought, man, I wish I understood like how this works in a way that's actual practical that actually I can use in my songwriting. And it's not necessarily you need to understand everything, but actually having it in a way that's practical that can help inform their songwriting is awesome. So we're definitely going to get into that, but I would love to hear the rest of your story. Yeah. Yeah. When we taught this class, we needed some like material. We couldn't just get up there and just wing it for a semester. So we wrote up like a loose, like, I wouldn't even call it a textbook. It was more just like some blog posts on some topics. And in our graduate program, we did a lot of coding because we're scientists and engineers. So we coded up a very rudimentary system where you could enter in notes and chords and you didn't need to read sheet music. That was important for us because my buddy, Chris, um, who's the guitarist, he never learned to read sheet music. And I think a lot of musicians don't, if you didn't play like violin or trumpet or piano, you don't need to learn sheet music. And you could maybe you read a tab or maybe you just know some chords. And so we, we developed the system that's it's like rock band or guitar hero. Like they're just, just there's notes and chords, but no, no sheet music. And so we developed this software system where people could enter it in. And then we needed examples for our, like, how did the Beatles do it? How did Led Zeppelin do it? And so we would sync our notation with these YouTube videos. And we're like, that was, I think, a really key part of the course because we wanted to teach the theory not from Bach or Beethoven or Chopin, which is how it's classically taught. We wanted to teach it with songs that people actually were into because we knew that was, we thought that that was really the missing part because a lot of people we've heard now from many of our users that they look onto these music theory blogs, but it's just, it just doesn't feel like it speaks to them. And we really wanted it. And we thought the missing part really was music that people cared about. So, when the class was done, 
we had all this material. We had our little book and we had the software where people enter notations. So we're like, let's just put this online to the public and see what happens. And so we did. And what ended up happening was that people were interested in actually analyzing other music. And we'd analyzed maybe like 50 to 100 songs for this class, but we put it online. It's kind of like Wikipedia. You can go in, anybody can edit it. Anybody can create something. And what ended up happening was people got really into it. Like we just, we built this community of people who were just really into, yeah, like this is my favorite song. I want to share how it works. And so they'd go and they'd analyze it. And that was the birth of what we call the theory tab database. It's like a guitar tab, but it's for music theory because it's showing not just the chords, but how the chords function in a key. Is this like the, what we would call the one chord, which is the home chord of the key. And yeah, it didn't explode overnight, but it's been 10 years now. And we're at over 30,000 analyses all created by our community. And it's just been amazing for us to see this. And so this is a free resource that we still host that anybody can go onto the site, browse analyses or create their own. And also the software that we use to write these analyses or to write music is also online. It's called Hookpad. And that's how Hook Theory began. It was a book and some software and this wiki. And <laughs> we're still doing it today. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, that's what an awesome idea for a platform, right? To really start to take this music and kind of break it down in a way that's scientific, but also is accessible. And it's based on, like you said, music that people actually are listening to that's popular that people care about right now. And I would love to, like where my brain goes to immediately is the use case of having all of this data analyzed and potentially incorporating like a machine learning model or AI and maybe just like more so what are the patterns that have like now that you have these analyses are they standardized in a way where you can look at all that data and start to uncover some of those patterns of yeah most people who are listening to this right now have probably heard of the like the four chord the magic chords yeah, that that awesome. are like in every hit song X is awesome but it seems like there are, in those four chords, you know, they come and gone, and they've been in part of pop music for a little while, but there probably are different waves and trends and things that have kind of come in and out. So I'm curious on your perspective now, having been having built this platform and analyzed all of these songs, what are some of the notes that you have in terms of patterns that you've recognized and how that might apply moving forward? Yeah. One of the great things about having this giant database of song analyses is precisely that we can take a look at it and ask these questions. What's popular now? Was that always popular? If not, what was popular back then? And it's amazing because my whole life, I mentioned that I've been thinking critically about chord progressions. When I hear songs, it's hard for me not to ask myself what, what is going on. And so I felt like I had good insight into what the trends are. But when you actually look at the data, it's amazing that all these little cool patterns and stories pop up. As you mentioned, this Axis of Awesome, what we would call 1564. So it's in for these songs is it's almost cliche that it's so many songs have used it. But what was really interesting for me is that while it's true that those four chords on their own are by far the most popular chords in popular music, the order of that chord of those chords has actually evolved. And if hmm. you look back to the 50s or the 60s, it was actually one, six, four, five. If your listeners know heart and soul. Oh, you said it was one, six, the A minor, F, and then G. Yeah. Yeah. That that was 
that was really the engine that powered it. it so maybe <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Many of you might know that song in Greece, those magic changes. Those were the magic changes before the axis of awesome. And mm -hmm. it turns out that, yeah, that was, that was really the progression du jour and before in the 50s, 60s. And actually even songs today still use this. Um, and really the 1564 didn't come about until more 70s and 80s really is when it started taking off. And now we're seeing even new iterations of this. In kind of the 2000s and the 2010s, we've seen this move toward a lot of kind of electronic based tracks. So even the pop music has a lot more synthy feel. And many of these start to start with a minor chord. Now, whether you call this C major or minor or A minor, that's up for discussion later, but just bear with me while I talk about these four chords with the A minor being the start. And mm -hmm. if you just take that one, five, six, four, and you start in the six first, you get six, four, one, five. And this was a wildly popular progression in the 2000s. Mm -hmm. And now in the 2010s, we're seeing things like you know, six, five, four, one. Anyway, it, there's a lot of data, obviously, and it's really interesting to look at, but it is, I think you're touching on one of the cool things. Sorry, I'm like totally nervous. <laughs> I'm just like, I think as you're like talking through this, I just want to geek out. Yeah. But that's what you're talking about in the 2000s. The... Yeah. And uh... come to break a dawn, good, God. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm. awesome. Yeah. And I think just to, to, talking a little bit about the acts of awesome, I, I think that some listeners might take away a message from this idea that, oh, so many songs use this chord progression to mean that there, there is no creativity by using a progression that has been used before. And I, I want to push back against that notion because if it was true that all songs that used a single progression sounded the same, then there wouldn't be so many hits over so many decades. And I think it's important, we get a lot of songwriters that come to Hook Theory that are, are just a little lost when it comes to chords. It's like they want, they want to put themselves in their songs, but they don't want to copy somebody else. They don't want to be like, oh, you just used the blah, blah, blah from this song. And w my experience is there are there is so much that goes into a song that you should... Think about a chord progression is just one of the scenes of your of your motion picture. How many movies have been set in New York, but they're not all the same. And I think it's important for us to really understand that there's so much creativity in music and having a template for what chords might sound good is that's not hindering your creativity. That could actually enhance your creativity. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast so I can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners. So if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast, or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two-week trial to our music mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're going to get access to our entire Music Mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest-level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're gonna have our Music Mentor Spotlight series. 
And that's where we're going to bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now. And one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community. And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of Music Mentor and, and maybe the most valuable is that you're gonna have this, this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you wanna take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free. Uh, from there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. This is a gift for listening to our podcast, supporting the show. Um, So don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with something like a chord progression where it's like, there's not that many chord progressions that you can choose from where it's like, it's kind of like the backbone. And heck, the first thought I hear is like, when you say there's these patterns, we can kind of see what's like the new chord progression, sort of the movement. Like one thing that comes to mind is like, it seems like at least there was this phase where it now is like, we ain't ever getting up. And there's, a, that was like a progression. I'm not sure if that's still that's, the pattern. That's still, that's that's still in it. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's in the yeah. top 40 right now for sure. Okay. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Never gets that was by the way that sequence yeah. of chords was one of the first ones that I fell in love with. There, so mm-hmm. back in like the '90s, a lot of rappers would use these backing tracks that, that just used similar progressions, and I just I couldn't get enough of it. I was just like, oh man, this is amazing. I, uh, I love yeah. that progression too. Yeah, there's something about that build up. That was in a lot of our uh, Paradise Fear songs. Like that build up progression was where some real stuff started to started to come out. It's, it's the parts that, yeah, it, it, it resonates. There's a there's an underlying current <laughs> that goes through it that makes those chords so magical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So out of curiosity, so now that you have this this data, and I'm sure it's it's increasing all the time because of this awesome user-generated community and content where people are doing these analyses together. What are some of the chords progressions? I know we've touched into a few of them, but like right now, are you able to predict like that this is the tra- like we're actually moving towards this kind of progression right now and can people use that in a way that in commercially they can think you know what i like i'm actually going to start with this foundation with these chord progression and write over it what are your thoughts around that yeah no i wish i could predict the next hit song but i can speak a little to s- some kind of what i would call at least for me is exciting new trends so i think that not just with chords chords melody lyrics, rhythm, all aspects of the songwriting, I think that Mm. one of the key kind of tenets that underpins all of this is this idea of building tension. Tension is a really important concept in music because Mm. good songs build tension and then they release tension. And that's what gives listeners this feeling of, ah, yeah. And I think that's, it's easier to see why that's the case and say like an EDM track where you have this giant build and just like, ah, I'm missing something. I'm, and then you drop and you're like, that's what I was missing. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's, I feel it. <laughs> but that type of tension you can build up in a lot of ways. And, you know, just to give an example in, in, in chord progressions, there are techniques that we talk about sometimes at Hook Theory where you can build tension with dissonance, say. So you can make a, a chord that on its own, you're like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that chord. But then if you follow it by one where that dissonance is released, that can give listeners this, ah, oh, that's what I'm missing. And one kind of cool trend that I think I first heard, and this they may not be the first group that did this, but I first heard this in a Chainsmokers song where if you 
take that same progression we're working with. So you start with an A minor. When you go to the G, what they do is they add the fourth of the chord. So it's like a G chord, G, B, D, but you've added the C also. So you hear this, this it's like a G, B, and then the C. And that B and the C, they clash, mm. it grates. That's oh, yeah. And now on its own, you might be like, oh, like why would you use that chord? But if you play A minor, and then you play that G chord with that C added, mm. and then you go yes. to an F, it's like the resolution of that tension feels so good. And when I and when they, after they did this, so people have used the G chord with the C, but not the B, so we call that a sus. But having them both together was something I was like, that's cool. And since then, mm. I've heard probably eight or nine tracks with that same pattern. And I like it. It's like an chord progression innovation, a chord innovation. It's not like dissonance is a new idea, but I love that um, that people are continuing to innovate with chords. That's a great. That's a great example. Yeah, and there's something about this, like that note in there, that kind of like has some of that tension. It kind of builds that tension. Also, just like an interesting theory of music and life and jazz, like stories and how you can't tell a good story without tension. If it was yeah. just everything was always perfect, it's okay. That's just boring. It's kind of in, this, in a similar way, like our lives, we need a goal or we need to like something that kind of moves us or a challenge that it's kind of like riding a bike where you want to be moving towards something. But yeah. there is a movement towards, there's dissonance that doesn't sit. Yeah. There's something inside you that's, I want to, like, it, I want to resolve. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that this is something that there's a, a lot of our users express this idea. People up and coming in songwriting express this idea that chords are just some, it's like, like a, it's like a necessary ingredient, but I, I don't give it much thought. So I put it there and then where I specialize in is in like the storytelling with my lyrics in the audio mixing. This is, and I, all of that stuff is great and super important, but I think that what we've learned by looking at, at all of this data is that you can also there's also nuance in your chord progressions. And mm -hmm. and even if you're, no matter what level you are of a songwriter, if you're a super beginner or you're very seasoned, thinking about these aspects can, you know, it just add another dimension to your songwriting. Yeah, no, it's great. And of all things that kind of influence the overall vibe and feel of a song, it seems like chord progression is probably right at the root of it. There's hardly anything else you could change with the song that would make as big of an impact on the overall feel and the vibe of it than like the chord progression itself. Yeah, and, and I'm not trying to plug the, the songwriting software that on our site. The uh, our hookpad is free to use. We we do charge for some aspects of it, but anyone is welcome to use it for free. You can go over and write chords and melody and save projects and things like that. But that's one of the things that we that we wanted to give people we, is when you're writing a song, have a way to basically sketch out a chord progression and to quickly substitute other chords or try variations of chords to get an idea of where you're going without having to lay down the whole track in logic first. And we found that at least among our users that this is it's like a it's like your sketch your scratch pad. It's like mm -hmm. a, an interactive scratch pad where you can get ideas down and for many people found that are struggling with call it writer's block or, or maybe you're stuck on like a, a section of a song that this can be a really good way to get ideas out. And I found in my own songwriting that that's very helpful for me. Wow. I love that. That's so cool of an idea for a software platform that you know, can help you sketch out the chord progressions like that. And I'm just even thinking from you have if you have access to all of this analysis of of songwriting and you know some of the most popular songs in the world and just like different progressions and progression changes, then you could even suggest ideas for people if they're mm -hmm. writing their song and they've gotten to the bridge of the song and 
they're experiencing writer's block. So what should like where can it go to next? Exactly. Here, let us analyze and choose four different options for you that you can listen through and be like which one fits like what you're what you're vibing. And so it sounds like that's something that's built into that the platform right now. Yeah, yeah. What we can do is you can go and write some chords. We have this feature called Magic Chord, but essentially what it's doing is if you you feel like you need, yeah, you need a hint or you need a suggestion or just, you just want to look at what, what have other people done in my situation here? Yeah. You can essentially click a button and it looks through the database and it finds examples of people or songs that have used similar chord progressions so far. And then it can suggest a, a follow-up. And wow. this is something that we, we've gone back and forth on a lot because I think nobody wants, no songwriter wants a computer to write their song for them because <laughs> the art is in the agency of the artists to make these decisions. So it's, yeah, it, it's, I think it's going to be talking about the future. We're going to get to a point where a, a, I think a computer is very soon is going to be able to write fairly convincing popular music. I, pe people always say, oh no, is this the, like, the end of, is this the end of songwriting? But I think it's important to remember that, that part of appreciating art is it, the art is as much the artist as it is the final product. And I think that will never be taken away from us. And we've, we're trying to balance the line of, we want a tool that makes music theory less of an obstacle, but we don't want to, we don't want to steal the creative process. So it's balancing this line where you have, it's like you have a tool belt, you have a better set of tools, you have a better drill and a better wrench, but you don't have the finished product on a platter for you. And that's something that as we are still developing hook theory, we're trying to figure out what's the best direction. Cause we're also all artists and creators and we love the creative process. And we want to share that with as much people without making it feel like it's canned or something like that. But it's something we're still yeah. discovering for sure. Yes, yeah, I love this conversation so much. It's so interesting because AI and this type of technology is really revolutionizing a lot of different creative in industries. There's copywriting tools where you can type in a few prompts and this AI is literally just going to write your email copy and write stuff for you. And I started exploring it. I'm like, this is pretty dang good. <laughs> like they do a pretty good Absolutely. job. And it's really helpful for getting like a jump for It's not perfect yet, but yeah, it's probably not going to be that long until like it reaches a point where it actually is going to be able to articulate just as well, if not even more intelligently than we can as humans. So that's both really exciting and also terrifying, I think, for a lot of people. Is Absolutely. That this, yeah, yeah. It's such a crazy time to be alive. Yeah, as you mentioned, we also yeah use this uh, yeah copywriting AI. There's a new one. Yeah, there's this uh, image-based one called Dolly that just came out. Or yeah, you say, paint me a picture of uh, flying pigs with a rainbow waterfall and out pops <laughs> like this beautiful render, <laughs> completely computer generated. So it is, yeah, as you mentioned, it's crazy and exciting, but also there's a lot of unknowns. How are we going to use this technology in ways that, that preserves our sense of being? <laughs> <laughs> it's one thing too, that the people who are here right now, us and everyone who's listening to this right now, are in this world where essentially like we have a tool like AI to be able to generate our ideas and turn them very quickly into reality. I think it really serves the creators, right? If you're a creator, what does it mean to be a creator? It means you generate ideas. You're tapped into the flow of imagination and you create things in your mind and then you can, you somehow turn those mind creations into reality. And it seems like the tool that you've built and the artificial intelligence that like we're moving towards really is just, it's not necessarily going to say you can't imagine 
things, but it's going to remove the barrier between what, what you can imagine. And then just instantly you'll be able to realize the fruit of your thoughts. So at least that's what I tell myself to sleep at night. (laughs) The AI slowly approaches to take over all humanity. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's, yeah, it's, it's good because if we think of AI as a tool, I, my hope is ultimately that it's going to democratize a lot of the elements of creating art. I think that even like 20 years ago, if you didn't have a super expensive like studio and setup and super expensive computer and all these cards, like it was very hard for you to produce like a track that sounded professional. But these Mm. days, with all this technology, it's... And samples. Yeah, it's just, it's so much easier for somebody who's just really passionate, but may not have the means to do so otherwise, to to get their feet wet and to really start creating. And I think that as all of us creators know, sometimes just sitting down and like putting your fingers on the keys, that's what it takes. Like I've, there's been so many days where I might not have sat down at the piano. I might've done something else, but I just happened to, and something came out that was like, man, I can't believe that today could have happened without me like thinking of that. And I think that the more tools that we have to just get people excited, the better it's going to be for all of us. Yeah, it's super cool. Very, really exciting time. And who even knows in the next 50 years, looking back 50 years ago, looking at where we are now, I think a lot of the stuff that, that we have would just look like magic, right? What is it? There's some quote that's about technology. Like when technology is sufficiently advanced enough, then it appears just like magic to, <laughs> to, to anyone else. And certainly it was the case with radio waves and with the internet. If you go back far enough, it would literally just be pure magic. And I'm not sure if you're up to date on like Neuralink and some like brain interfaces, but that's a rabbit hole we could, that we could go down for a little bit, but that's, you know, probably not that far from now we'll be in a world where we can literally just control our devices with our thoughts and maybe be able to communicate with each other telepathically, just with thoughts directly, probably would be a lot less miscommunication and misinterpretation if we we're able to directly communicate on this level. But man, the fact that we can even be talking about this, like we, in our lifetimes, this might happen is pretty insane. I know, crazy world. Yeah. Man, I would love to connect with you more too about maybe being able to integrate with Right now, we're developing what we're calling the Music Relic Marketplace, which is a marketplace for musicians to create editions of their songs and their albums and turn them into these, but in an environmentally friendly way. And part of that platform is, is I would love to make the music itself really, I don't know, digitized so that we have the metadata on all the songs and that we can analyze the chord progressions of all the songs. We can see here's the ones that are trending right now, the ones that are most popular. And there might be some sort of integration there with Hook Theory or with your guys' tool to be able to build in some cool networking there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, speaking a little bit back to the AI, so right now all of the music on the theory tab database is hand analyzed by by our community but you can imagine a world where you know a computer kind of takes a jump start at that so it can do it by itself or maybe it, it does the first suggested draft. yeah mm-hmm. suggested tags and this like human piece can come in and approve or play around yeah, with them i and i think that yeah perhaps we're not far off 
from, yeah, from a machine model that, that could possibly do that. And I think that, yeah, that, that would be a great thing because then. And, I, that, yeah. and I don't have anything against humans too. We start with building into the existing model and then like you having that backbone, I think of having analyzed those songs and having that structure is probably, that's exactly what a machine learning model needs in order to like, to oh, start, exactly. start to predict right. it. But yeah. yeah, absolutely. We have a lot of music. We have several examples of music on our site. That's actually, it's not a famous pop song. It's actually user gen, user written <laughs> songs that cool. they've shared with the community. And it's really exciting to see that. I love listening to, to songs that people have written. Yeah, it would be super interesting to hear just in terms of the, I'm not sure if this is one thing that you include in kind of like the metadata, but just like the streams or the popularity of the songs or the like, being able to map that as well as the progressions and everything can, it sounds like that's probably what you're already doing, how you can keep your fingers on the pulse of what are the progressions that are really starting to take off right now, but being able to map that out to almost like the cultural me, like what, as like a, as a world right now, like what is the progression? What's the movements that are really resonating? Cause would be super fascinating. But hey, man, let's get ready to wrap up. This is great. I could totally go down a rabbit hole and geek out on this stuff for 10 hours. But I really appreciate you taking the time to hop on here and be able to share this amazing tool that you've developed. And for anyone who's listening or watching this right now who'd like to dive deeper or learn more about it, where's the best place for them to go to to dig deeper? Yeah, you can go to hooktheory.com. And there you can find the, a lot of free resources as like the theory tab database and our songwriting sketchpad hookpad. And we also released a chord progression ear trainer called chord crush that you can check mm. out as well. Cool. And I personally, I'm, I'm excited to, to go and geek out on all these different tools. This sounds awesome. Awesome. Hey man, thanks again. I really appreciate you topping on here and looking forward to staying in touch. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Michael. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.